We got our news briefing, and joining us here on a Tuesday morning is Yu Sumin. Good morning. Good morning, Henry. Well, I know you love talking about the COVID 19 <laughs> updates because uh, this is part of your uh, sort of daily life now. Mm-hmm. We need to get the numbers again. Really, really concerning situation in the U.S., as has been the case now for a number of weeks. And um, maybe even uh, more worrisome, we're starting to see some upticks in certain European countries as well. So uh, give us the situation globally, please. Right. So the current global tally is at 13.2 million with more than 574,000 deaths. So we're witnessing an alarming acceleration of the pandemic. We are said to be in the so-called second wave of the COVID-19. And according to the latest data by the WHO, within the last 24 hours on Sunday, the daily new confirmed cases globally reached a record high of 230,000. So this is a record-breaking number again, with most of the newly confirmed cases coming from the United States, with more than 3.3 million cases reported from the, uh, from the country. Well, also, the United States specifically saw a resurgence in the number of cases, and at least 35 states are seeing a rise in new cases compared to the previous week. And particularly, uh, Florida alone recorded more than 15,000 new infections Mm. on Sunday, and that is actually the highest number of new cases in a single day by any state. But, you know, the controversy is boiling over in the United States as President Donald Trump is actually pushing for aggressively pushing for the reopening of schools. And the Disney World in Florida has also initiated a phase reopening. Well, as for the other countries uh, other than the United States, they have resumed the social distancing scheme, and namely the state of Catalonia in northeastern Spain, parts of India, Australia. Those countries have decided to reintroduce the city lockdown plans following the second wave of COVID-19. Well, meanwhile, here in South Korea, we saw 62 cases being added yesterday, with 42 of them being the so-called imported cases. So the country now has a total of 13,479 patients with 289 COVID-19-related deaths. So some uh, good news and bad news here. Uh, In the Korean context, uh, the numbers are still kind of holding steady around that 50-60 mark, as you've been talking about in uh, here and uh, other places. Once we reach that threshold of averaging over 50 cases for a 14-day period, we're going to have to go to a so-called kind of more stricter phase or level of uh, restrictions. And so uh, we're closely watching these figures. But the good news is it seems like we are getting a better handle now on those mini cluster infections within the country, the Mm -hmm. community transmissions. And those uh, domestic transmissions have been going down. Unfortunately, the the imported cases are are going up, which is uh, really highlighted by the numbers that you're talking about in the U.S. and some of these Mm -hmm. other countries that are seeing spikes. And you just highlighted with... There's 50 states in the U.S. of most people who know their geography. And just one of those states, Florida, albeit one of the largest states, but mm. one of those states in one day has way more infections than we've had total yeah. uh, for about this past six months or yeah, so. Right. It, you know, you might, you might say this is a virus that we can't really control and there's ups and downs and there's going to be second waves and, and what have you. But it feels like we've had a long enough time. At Mm -hmm. least experts who are much more knowledgeable about these things uh, with epidemiology than us, that uh, there were some uh, enough of a sample size to really get a handle on how to best uh, combat the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that there are certain countries and really uh, the richest country in the world, the U.S., has just 
it seems like completely given up on trying to stop this virus. And, and I said in the uh, opening, it's really having negative uh, repercussions for all the rest of us yeah. because we can't really have a normal life if uh, the U.S. is really not getting their act yeah, together. Absolutely. And that's really the uh, unfortunate part of it. What's the one... Um, Glimmer of hope here, Sumin. Well, everyone keeps talking about once the vaccine's here, everyone can get that vaccine shot and then we can all be uh, fine and Mm. immune and we can all go back to our daily lives. That might not be the case because uh, from what you're reporting here, even if the vaccine becomes available It's not necessarily going to make the situation better. Yeah, well, we do know that the international community has been honing in on the vaccine development. But even if we do have a vaccine, that does not mean all problems will be solved. So we're seeing more skepticisms growing surrounding the safety of the vaccine and also the fair distribution of it when it is available. So first, from the distribution standpoint, Microsoft founder Bill Gates said that COVID-19 medication and further vaccines should be distributed to people who need them the most Mm -hmm. and not to the highest bidder. So what he was saying is that the distribution should be based on equity, not just on market-driven factors. Well, this is because there has been some concerns that wealthier nations will receive more drugs than the developing countries. And now that there is this uh, safety and effectiveness issue, so it's still uncertain whether the vaccine will be safe to be applied. uh, And some medical experts have said that it will be difficult to develop a vaccine that's proven to be 100% effective until next year. So what they were saying is that it will take a few more years to uh, come up with a very effective vaccine. And also Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, uh, the U.S.'s top infectious disease expert, he said that the coronavirus vaccine immunity is likely to be quote-unquote finite and said a shot of vaccine would offer only a degree of protection. And, uh, well, currently, 21 candidate vaccines are currently in clinical trials. And according to the WHO, U.S. biotech firm Moderna, U.K. pharmaceutical company AstraZeneca, and China's Sinovac Biotech, those companies have made the most progress toward developing the vaccine. So we do have to hope for a safe and effective vaccine and also a fair distribution when it becomes available. Yeah, and so that is why you're seeing such a a kind of spirited competition here between all these different countries and uh, varying levels of uh, progress and success, as you point out, those three companies that seem to have made the most uh, progress so far here in Korea. There's uh, always efforts underway as well. Uh, Who gets that vaccine and who has proven to have an effective vaccine not only has perhaps a lucrative product to Mm -hmm. sell, but at the same time, some difficult questions, as you say, Do we want to give it to the people who need it the most or do we want to make the biggest profits of it? And that's the moral dilemma that uh, Bill Gates is talking about. Let's get to the vaccine first, I guess, which is what a lot of people are saying. And so we can worry about it. It's not going to be the silver bullet, but hopefully uh, it can alleviate some of the problems. Until then, without a vaccine and uh, really, uh, despite these things we're talking about, like remdesivir and some of these other uh, potential treatments, Mm -hmm. the uh, most effective way is to stay hygienic. clean your, wash your hands, uh, maintain this uh, distance uh, that we're trying to do with each other. And as has been proven effective, particularly first in the Asian countries and now uh, more widely adopted in the Western countries, is to constantly wear masks masks. when out and about. Mm. Here in Korea, we had a big problem with the supply of masks. 
We had the uh, worry that there were not going to be masks available for people who wanted to purchase them. Some people hoarding masks, maybe potentially some companies uh, jacking up the prices of the masks to make profits. Well, the government implemented a mask rationing system in response to that. They wanted to stabilize the supply. They wanted to make sure that everyone got a fair shot at uh, buying a mask to have that. Well, that rationing system ended on Sunday, indicating that it seems like uh, the country has enough masks that it needs. Uh, the question, though, for you, s u m i n is will this change the price of face masks, maybe even hopefully lower the price? Well, no, at least not for the time being. So, like you said, the termination and ending of this mask rationing scheme will allow more health masks to be distributed to general retailers, so people will be able to buy unlimited number of health masks, not just from the pharmacies, but from more diversified spaces. However, as for the prices of health masks that are sold in convenience stores and large supermarkets, those are unlikely to drop for the time being. Well, according to the convenience store industry, they are planning to keep the current price of health masks uh, that are in the range of 2,001 to 2,501 per sheet for the time being. And also in large supermarket chains, they don't have plans to adjust the sales prices of the face masks at the moment. It's now sold for 1,501 to 1,801 per sheet there. And according to the industry officials, unless the supply price falls again, there is no plan to cut the sales price at the moment. So what they're saying is that as the weather got warmer from last month, the demand for thin disposable masks, those anti-droplet masks, has Mm. increased. And naturally, the demand for public health masks has dropped. So the price has already dropped by 301 Well, meanwhile, uh, also the ordinary retailers, though they have sold products at various price points, so the ending of this face uh, mask rationing system does not really have a significant effect on their sales price. And the pharmacy sold the masks at the price of 1,501, and there's a chance that they could also hike the prices to follow the market trend. However, the e-commerce websites and open market sellers, they sell them for less than 1,001. So although the price will not fall to the level before the COVID-19 pandemic, it was within 501 to 601 price range at that time. In the long run, prices of health masks will see a downward trend. So as we could see, the ending of the mask rationing system would not have an immediate effect on driving down the sales price. But in the long run, we could buy the KF mask, those health masks at a more reasonable price. And that is the hope. And the, the, leave it to the markets. You never know, right? Because uh, depending on supply and demand, the price will file and uh, rise. But uh, the government's calculation as of now, right now, with the supply level as it is, uh, we should see eventually with this market prices at least have reasonable prices, although uh, maybe not as uh, uh, severe as a drop as people had maybe mm. hoped for. Okay, uh, Sumi, let's move on to our next issue. This is an update on the tragedy that Mm -hmm. uh, we've been facing as a nation for the past few days uh, in regards to the passing of the late mayor, Park Won-sun. There was a press conference held yesterday involving the former secretary of Mayor Park uh, Won-sun regarding the allegations that uh, uh, there was serial sexual harassment uh, against uh, the secretary. Could you walk us through what was discussed at the press conference? Well, the officials at Korea Women's Hotline and Korea Sexual Violence Relief Center, uh, those centers held a press conference on behalf of Park's former secretary. 
Well, the alleged victim herself did not show up at the press conference, so her legal representative and other women's rights activists spoke on her behalf. Well, Kim Jae-ryeon, the secretary's lawyer, said that Park Won-soon, the late mayor, had sexually molested his secretary using his superiority or hierarchy, and she said the alleged impropriety, which mostly took place at the mayor's office and all, connected bedroom has continued for more than four years, even after the victim was sent to another post within the government. Well, according to the lawyer, Park Won-soon had sent, quote-unquote, promiscuous text messages and photos of himself in his undergarments to his secretary and harassed her during and after office hours. Well, the photos and texts that Park Won-soon had sent after going through several rounds of forensics, those have been submitted as evidence to law enforcement authorities. Well, uh, some people have voiced support and solidarity for the alleged victim, but others have accused the former secretary of making some false accusations, false allegations, and threatened to track her down. So with regards to that, her lawyer said that the ex-secretary has been suffering from quote-unquote secondary damage Well, the secondary damage referring to her becoming the target of personal insults and abuse online because people have been circulating some unconfirmed, groundless information and photos of her. Mm -hmm. So additional complaint was filed with the police over secondary damage the victim had suffered, asking the police to punish those who spread unconfirmed, groundless rumors. Meanwhile, we do have to note the timing of the press conference. So the press conference actually came a few hours after Park Won-soon's funeral yesterday, and this has raised some questions about whether it was appropriate for the former secretary who hold a press conference on the same day. Well, earlier, the funeral committee of the former mayor asked that any kind of press conference in relation to Park Won-soon not be held yesterday so that the bereaved family members can mourn properly. However, a member of the Korean Sexual Violence Relief Center explained that they waited as long as they could during the funeral process to treat the deceased with respect. But they had to hold a press conference as soon as possible to prevent the secondary damage on the victim. And I think most people, most reasonable people should agree uh, with the alleged victim. There should not be a blame the victim type of mentality mm. uh, with her. Uh, there should be, as has been the principle with the Me Too movement, uh, always believe the stories. And then later on, as the investigations in- unfold, you know, find mm. out what exactly is uh, the deal with a lot of the uh, allegations and accusations that come forward. So uh, that should be the utmost um, sort of uh, attitude to have in, re- in, in regards to the alleged victim. However, for... The question of the late Mayor Park and uh, putting him to rest and and, uh, giving him the proper burial as the longest-running Seoul mayor. For the people, um, for example, the members of Cheongidang, the uh, Justice Party, those lawmakers who are refusing and coming Mm. out very publicly saying we're not going to pay respects to uh, Mayor Park in regards to this because we stand with the victims. You can be angry about the situation. You can uh, have support for the victims. But in this time, just in this Morning period, yeah. you would ask the uh, Justice Party, Cheong Yidang, maybe you would want to give the same respect that uh, the nation gave to the late No Hye Chan. Mm-hmm. You remember the long-running mm, yeah. Justice Party lawmaker who also tragically uh, gave up his own 
life uh, amidst a series of allegations. And so uh, it, it is sort of that biblical um, principle of, you know, treat others as you would treat yourselves. Mm-hmm. And I hope the Justice Party could remember that in remembering and honoring No Hye Chan, but at the same time also with uh, Mayor Park Won-soon. Right. Let's talk about another politician. Uh, he is uh, another politician under the radar, Gyeonggi Governor Lee Jae-myung, there is a, a final ruling over several charges is set to come out uh, this Thursday. So, I mean, what can we expect from this ruling? Well, the Supreme Court's ruling that will determine Gyeonggi Governor Lee Jae-myung's political fate or political ambition is underway. So yesterday, the Supreme Court said that Lee Jae-myung will be given a final verdict on Thursday after months-long deliberation, and the decision will determine whether Lee Jae-myung will remain as the governor of Gyeonggi province. Now, Lee Jae-myung has faced several criminal accusations, and the primary charges against him is the false information accusation. And that revolves around a claim that he used his official position to have his older brother forcefully admitted to a mental institution in April 2012. Now, that is a charge he himself denied on a television program mm-hmm. ahead of the local elections in 2018, and he has been charged for falsely pronouncing related claims on televised speeches. Now, the lower courts dismissed all charges against him, but an appeals court actually found him guilty on charges on false information and ordered him to pay a $3 million worth of fine. And if the Supreme Court ruling upholds the high court's decision, Im Jae-myung could lose his position as the Gyeonggi governor because an elected public official's appointment is nullified when he or she is fined more than $1 million won for certain legal violations. So the variable now here is that uh, the variable that will determine whether he will keep the post or not will be the charge on false information because the abuse of authority charge was dismissed in previous courts and the Supreme Court will most likely to keep the decision on that front. Now, the final verdict on Thursday will determine his political faith because he has been considered as one of the strongest liberal candidates in 2022 presidential election. And that is the key here. Uh, yes, he is the Gyeonggi governor. And uh, yes, he, he has been widely deemed to have done a very competent job in uh, battling the coronavirus pandemic. And so he has seen his standing rise. Mm. Uh, but uh, even within the ruling party, there are you know very strong kind of pros and cons uh, in terms of sentiment. towards him. So this is a very closely watched legal battle because we can say as it stands right now in terms of approval ratings, maybe the the strongest challenger to the uh, current frontrunner for the future presidential race, Inagyan, is not from the opposition side. It's probably from Lee Jae-myung in terms of the polling. And so this is going to have pretty severe repercussions, as you say. So uh, we'll definitely be watching this uh, verdict on Thursday. Let's talk about another controversy over the uh, burial of this late general, Pek Sanyap. Mm-hmm. He passed away last Friday. Uh, a lot of the uh, political bigwigs, mostly on the conservative side, paying respect. Uh, we did have some uh, clips available, but I think we're going to just have you read the yeah. clips out for us. Uh, but... Uh, there is a debate or a dispute over where we should bury him. Exactly. Well, Pek Sanyeop is a Korean war hero and South Korea's first four-star general. He has been embroiled in this controversy over where he should be laid to rest. Now, he is a Korean war hero, but there is also some another controversy surrounding whether he should be regarded as a pro-Japanese collaborator because he served as an officer of a Manchukuo Imperial Army of Japan in 1943. 
Now, after Park s e o n a n passed away Friday at the age of 99, the Ministry of Patriots and Veterans Affairs and the South Korean Army said the next day that they decided to have his body buried at a graveyard for former generals at Daejeon National Cemetery. Well, his supporters, along with the UFP, blasted the government's decision to bury him at Daejeon National Cemetery, arguing that he should be buried at Seoul National Cemetery along with his comrades, former presidents, and other war heroes, not in the Daejeon Cemetery. Uh, well, uh, the, you know, the UFP's interim leader, Kim Jong-in, also had to say that Peck Uh, Park Sonia wanted to be buried alongside his comrades, former war heroes, when he himself visited the Seoul National Cemetery and had even looked at the sites himself. But the Veterans Affairs Ministry's point is that there are no slots, no vacancies left at the National Cemetery and said that the graveyard for former generals in particular were already filled up from December 1996. They also noted that burying him at the Daejeon National Cemetery also came at the request of the bereaved family and that they have reportedly agreed to this decision. Well, uh, two things are uh, indisputable. He was indeed a uh, war hero, but he was also a member of this very controversial group. Um, let's just very briefly talk about real estate policy because there's been some concerns about tax burdens here. Uh, what generally was the government's response? Well, uh, the measures were focused on punitive taxation and ending regulations in general. So in line with this, there has been some concern that the rise in transfer tax could impose tax burdens on those who own one apartment for residential purposes. Well, in response, the government stressed that these set of measures are aimed at raising taxes for multiple homeowners and to curb short-term speculative real estate transactions. So individuals who own one apartment for more than two years will not be imposed additional tax burdens. And uh, and another thing is that in response to concerns that multiple homeowners may not sell their houses due to the high capital gains tax, this will in turn freeze the housing market. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully that puts those concerns to bed. We're going to leave it there. Sumin, thank you very much. Thank you.